the latest in agricultural media and some smart conversation. This is the Ag Communicators Network Podcast. Welcome to the Ag Communicators Network Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Navarra. Have you ever wondered what it takes to build a brand for your freelance business? Board member Martha Mintz established her freelance business, Corral Communications, by chance, but ever since has been deliberate in how she's branded her work. In this episode, Martha shares the strategies that have brought her the greatest success. So I grew up on a ranch in southeastern Montana, uh, a cattle ranch. Um, We tried wheat farming, but uh, we're we're better at cattle. (laughs) And um, then I ended up going to college at Oklahoma State University for ag communications. Uh, After I left there, I worked for um, uh, Beta Rudder uh, ad agency um, in the remote office in Lincoln, Nebraska. There I did you know, PR writing and PR account management um, for a variety of ag clients, um, both agronomic and animal ag. And um, after five years there, I was just kind of over living in Lincoln, Nebraska, and uh, was a little burned out, went home uh, to Montana to hang out on the ranch for a while and just kind of take a little break. And then people started calling. And all of a sudden, I was a full-time freelancer. So that's kind of my my journey in this world. That sounds great. So your freelance decision was sort of one of fate or luck rather than a decision to actually go freelance. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was intending fully to just take, you know, maybe three months off and then, you know, jump back in, do another agency job somewhere else. You know, I was just ready to do something else. Um, and uh, yeah, my contacts just paid off. You know, my, my job was to know the ag editors in the country. When I, when I left, I just sent out an email, kind of thinking it'd be nice to get a couple of jobs here and there saying, hey, I'm not doing anything else. You know, if you need anything from up in Montana, give me a shout. Well, it turns out people needed things. Those, those relationships definitely paid off that I spent those first five years out of college um, forming. Definitely. It's all, it is all about the relationships in the long run. Absolutely. And so once you started going freelance or decided that it was viable for you, how did you decide to start branding yourself? It took me a long time to realize that I was a full-time freelancer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, you know, one of, the, one of the things that I continued to do was um, I just continued to maintain those relationships that I had, I had made um, on the agency side of the world. And honestly, the best branding that I did um, was going to the Ag Editors Conference every year, the um, Ag Media Summit. Um, and I did that uh, the, very, the very first year that I was out on my own. You really just should say yes whenever you can. Ken Arathai had said that they were wanting to do uh, a freelance booth of some sort and they needed somebody to run it. And so she asked if I would be willing to do that. And I said, absolutely. You know, that was one of the first things that I did was help organize the freelance booth. And that not only introduced me to other freelancers, um, which is beneficial, um, but also just gave us a face at conference. And then people are like, oh yeah, you're the one that did that. And it just kind of um, brings you to other people's attention. And I would say a lot of my initial connections uh, came from, from that, just people recognizing that I was doing freelance. 
And then I was able to, to get a lot of contacts through that. And the contacts, you know, don't underestimate the value of other freelancers um, because I got a big hand up by other freelancers who participated in the booth with me that were established, you know, the Steve Warblows um, and the Lord McClinton's and, and those guys, you know, when, when they get calls and they're too busy, it's always good to have them as friends because they might pass along leads or, you know, tell you, you know, give you advice when a client does X, Y, Z, you know, it's good to have somebody who's been in the industry a while to call and say, you know, what do I do here? No, it's, it's great to network with your fellow freelancers um, or, or better yet, like when somebody calls me for like web design or something like that, I'm going to say, yeah, that's not my specialty, but here, let me, you know, set you up with Katie or whoever, you know, it does do web design. So it's, it's always good to have other freelance friends as well. Yeah, it's always important to, to never underestimate that power of a network. No, and especially in this industry, because it's one thing to be like an influencer and have, you know, millions of followers. But in, in this world, there's, you know, there's only, I, I don't even know if we top a thousand in potential clients. You know, it's, it's several hundred people that you need to be in contact with. So it's definitely a, a more catered audience um, and relationships absolutely matter. It's, it's who you know, um, you know, not just for, for prominence, just in that they need to know you exist um, so that, uh, that they know who to talk to. And so, you know, you've mentioned several times that the way you started up and got your, your brand to grow was through meeting different people and networking. Um, at what point did you think about branding from a, a standpoint of a business name and a website and things like that? You know, that's one thing that I did um, pretty much immediately. And I guess that was the, the ad agency marketing person in me. It's like, well, if I'm going to do any jobs at all, I should, um, you know, create a, a non-hotmail email address. Um, you know, this was before Gmail. I'm, I'm old enough that I, I, I predate Gmail. So I, I registered a, um, a name right away and uh, set up a website just to kind of show off some of my photography. Um, I am sad to admit that I haven't done much with that website in like the last 10 years. <laughs> and part of that is I'm, I'm allowed to be a little bit lazy in that I am, I am fairly securely established. Um, so I just kind of try to keep up Facebook, um, though a website is on my list of things to do. But, but no, I, you know, I did that right away. So I guess maybe I had an inkling that I was gonna do freelance. I just didn't realize it was gonna be a, a full-time gig you know, get a website and people did go through my website and, um, pick up photography here and there. Um, that has definitely gone to the wayside and is something I need to, to revamp. But like when it comes to social media, I was sure to, you know, set up, a uh, mostly Facebook. I, I honestly got stuck a little bit at Facebook and haven't really moved on much to the other uh, social media platforms, but that's where most of the people I need to talk to are. I set up, I made sure to set it up properly as a business. You know, a lot of people set up a personal page instead of a business page and, you know, it's important to do it right. And then I, I just try to post things in there like, you know, when I'm out traveling or, you know, when I win an award for a contest or, you know, showing things that have published that I've worked on, you know, just um, kind of continually pinging people with the different things that I'm doing, you know, especially if I'm doing something that people don't know me for. So when you first start, I think it's important to let people know what you're really good at. You know, in, in my case, it's writing and photography. I am, I'm really good at those two things. People know me for that. Um, and, and that's what I've based my business on. While you should be able to do a lot of different things, um, it's important to get your client base, I would say, in what you're truly good at. 
Um, and then as you move on, you know, I still have some clients that know that I've done a lot of branding work, you know, so I'll, I'll get calls from people, Hey, who I used to work at at the ad agency who are like, Hey, you know, we've worked with you before on this. Can you help um, do brand messaging and, and branding for my client? Um, that sort of thing. But still, know, know your limits. Like, I'm not going to do web design, but if a client comes to me with web design, be able to come back with them to them and say, I can't design it for you, but I know good people and I can help manage the process. Would that be helpful to you? And, you know, sometimes it is. So then you are just kind of the go-between and, and take something off of their plate. I think it's always important to be able to offer a wide variety of services, even if you're not the one directly doing those services. Just know what you're good at and go from there sort of create opportunities where they may not be a perfect alignment, but still a chance to work together and generate some income right. in business. Right. That's what, that's another thing is like, don't, don't say no. Sometimes you get a project that seems overwhelming, but you need to challenge yourself as well. I mean, don't take on something that you have, you know, like, oh, I'll do a big video project for you when you've never done video before. Okay, maybe not. Continually step outside your comfort zone a little bit. And, you know, I have especially like ad agency clients who know that I'm willing to give it a go. And so they'll come back to me and be like, hey, can you provide me some social media content? Hey, can you, you know, refine this ad copy? You know, they don't just come to me for feature articles and photography. Um, they let me try a, a variety of different things. And I'm just honest with them about, you know, what I'm, where I feel the most comfortable and, you know, hey, I'll, I'll give this a good solid try. What's your deadline? You know, if it doesn't work out, I don't want to leave you in the lurch. So just being honest with clients and willing to try anything is helpful too. Sure. Well, and having that agency experience really exposes you to a lot of different pieces of the communication industry that folks who are just straight writers may or may not have. Well, another thing I would advise, I don't know if, if this is people starting out, but you know, it's, it's not necessarily, I know they say publicity is good, but I have never given away content. And I know a lot of people do that or, or get pressured into to doing that. Um, and I think in order to establish your value, um, you need to make sure that you're not giving away your work. Um, even if you're just starting out and, um, feel like you, you know, just need to get out there. It's like, if, if you're dealing with people who want to give you your work for free, move on because they're not your client anyway. They don't have the budget to support you, you know, reach out to, to editors who have, who have budget for freelancers, who depend on freelancers, who value your photography, who value your skills. You should never give anything away. And if you're, <laughs> you, you really need to dedicate yourself. It, it, it's like being a rancher, you know, you have to have a wide variety of skills. And in the freelance world, that also includes being your own accountant and your own bully. Um, you know, so, so know the value of your work and do not give it away nor trade it for advertising space. <laughs> I've gotten that offer a number of times. I'm like, you are my client. Um, I'm not, I don't need, I'm, I'm not selling to your, yeah, so. <laughs> no, you're it's, I, I, I understand. And then, you know, if it's somebody that I, I really like and I know that they're on a limited budget and would come back to me for projects in the future, you know, I might give them a good deal or something. But, you know, always get paid for your work. Don't fall into that trap. For sure. And I want to go back to your agency experience for a minute um, because it did expose you to a lot of branding. Um, and mm -hmm. for, for writers who may not have had that experience, um, can you kind of recap, you know, why branding is important and sort of how you work through that process? 
it's always important for people to understand who you are as a person, as a brand, as a, you know, as a product out there. Cause that's what we are is a product. And we come in all different shapes and size. I was, I was, um, you know, watching the, the virtual egg media summit and they had, um, you know, like personality profiles where, you know, you took the personality test and it categorized you, you know, as if you were like a detail person or, you know, a, an, an entertainer, I can't remember the different categories, but, um, it set my husband and I on this great discovery where we did a, a, a broader personality test and, and I did come up as an entertainer, which was not surprising to anybody, <laughs> but people need to know that about you. If you are a, a nitty gritty details, science oriented, oriented person, you know, that needs to speak through your communications because then you're going to get the jobs that you want. You are going to get the, the technical pieces. You're going to get, you know, the, the things where you get to talk to, you know, really high end scientists because you understand them, um, that sort of thing. Whereas like with me, people, people know that I have a knack for connecting with people, especially agricultural people quickly. So I am kind of your go-to for a, a feature story. You know, I can meet a person and within in an hour, we are friends. That sounds like a weird thing to boast about, but, <laughs> but I mean, it's just, it, that's, that's what I do. Like I love learning about people and meeting them and, and getting to the heart of it. And, you know, people know that and will come to me for that. Now I can do a lot of other things as, as well. I'm kind of a jack of all trades. I'm lucky in that department. But if you're not comfortable in that situation, you don't want people coming to you for that kind of work. You know, if you're a detail, you want detail work. If you're a feature person, you want, you know, feature kind of work. And it's, it's important that your clients understand where you're comfortable and if they can relate to you or if their project relates to you. I'm trying to think of some examples, you know, in the, in the broader world where you have, you know, like the Teslas where they're like, you know, they're really out there. Um, and that's not going to appeal to to everybody. You know, it's it's not going to be your more conservative, maybe like Coca Cola. I I'm trying to I'm trying hard to think of like a super conservative um, company, but it's you don't want to confuse people. If I was Coca Cola, I wouldn't want to suddenly be way out doing something else because then you're going to alienate your your audience, um, your, your core audience. And with us, it's, it's identifying what our core skills are and personalities are, and then making sure that people understand that who work with us because publications need all types, you know, they, they need, they need that lighthearted side. They need that hardcore numbers side. They need that analytical figuring out what's going with economic side. Um, you know, in the agency world, they need people who can, look at things from all sides and, and, you know, really figure, figure out what the client needs and, and what, what the audience needs. So that's probably clear as mud. You want to know what my strong points aren't is podcasts. And, uh, you know, I, I'm better through the, the, the written word than the spoken word. So I hope any of this makes any sense. No, I think this is great so far. Um, one thing I was going to ask you is, you know, some, some writers tend to identify themselves as introverts and it can be difficult or challenging to sort of tout their, their skills and their specialties you know, what advice might you offer for people to kind of help explore what it is they'd like to highlight about their skill set and, and, and take that step? As much as I enjoy connecting with people, I would agree. Um, I actually am a bit of an introvert, but for me, that means I don't like talking to crowds, which technically this is talking to a crowd, but it, maybe it's a little <laughs> easier because I'm just talking straight to you. I like to get to know people one-on-one. -on -one. And if you're going to be a communicator, 
you do have to talk to other people because it's not about our voice. It's about taking the voices of others and, and making them understandable, making them heard, making them um, approachable to other people. Even if you're an introvert, you know, you, you do need to be able to do that and you do need to be able to talk about what you do. But one way to really show off your skills is to enter contests. You know, that's a way that you can put yourself out there without having to speak to put yourself out there. Um, and that's honestly one of the best marketing things that I have done over the years. I have won a lot now, but I didn't in the beginning. You know, I entered, I was completely overwhelmed by the the photo contests and stuff like that. Um, you know, I just never thought that I would, I would add up to the, you know, the Jim Patricos and the, you know, the Harlan Persingers of the world, but I entered. I entered anyway, and you know, you'd get an honorable mention or a third place. And it was enough because you know what, when you're doing that award ceremony, all the people that you wanna to talk to are in that room because they entered it too. And they see that and they're like, that was, a, that was a good photo, that was a good piece. Hey, we should do something together, we should work together. Even now I challenge myself more and more to, you know, it's like I've, I've done a lot in writing and I've done a lot in photography. It's like now maybe I should start, you know, showing people that I still have those marketing skills and start, um, you know, entering more marketing type pieces and, and stuff like that. Um, so I think contests are a really excellent way to get your work out there without having to, you know, stand up on a podium and shout to the world, hey, I'm good at this. Hey, I can do this. Hey, you know, talk to me. Um, and, uh, you know, same with social media. If you can friend as many of your, your, the people that you want to associate with and then just share your work, whether it's published or not. You know, if you made a cool video, post it. If you mm -hmm. took a great photo, post it. Um, if you, you know, have a candid shot of like, you know, say you're doing this really difficult shoot and you have all your lighting set up and stuff like that, step back and take a quick cell phone photo of your setup and be like, hey, I'm out on the field, you know, out in the field working today. Look what I'm doing. You know, that's, this is a great time of the world to be an introvert and still be able to put yourself out there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just not quite as face to face. And the other thing is, is just seek out those individual, um, individual comfort conversations where I think most of us introverts are, are better at than groups. So like if, if I go to Egg Media Summit, I'm going to sit down at a table, not with 50 of my closest friends. I'm going to seek out a table where maybe I have at least one friend, so I'm comfortable, but that I don't know 90% of the people at the table. And then I force myself to meet them, whether it's comfortable or not, because that's how you form relationships. And that's how you make those, those uh, like agency contacts that people who aren't, their faces aren't out there as much as an editor, like editors are easy to find agency people always aren't always. Um, so just, you know, forcing yourself to do some of that stuff. And so, you know, you've spoken about how you've really had a nice long freelance career so far. Um, what are some of the lessons that you've learned just through trial and error um, that may save folks some time in working on their own branding? Well, I tell you, one of the things that I still haven't haven't tackled is we we rely on people to come to us to do something when they don't have the time or the energy or the skills to do it and website designers call me 
Like, I need your help. Like it, you know, if, if you're not comfortable doing something that's part of your business, but it's something you need, like having a website that's really well designed, like don't screw it up by designing it yourself, you know, get somebody else to do it. And I've, I think I've finally come to that in that <laughs> I need somebody else to design my website because I am not a website designer. I've got great content for it, but I'm not a website designer. Um, so, so that's something I'm in the process of, of trying to learn. As far as marketing yourself, you need to try to do it consistently. If you, if you have your preferred social media, you know, try to try to put something out there at least once a week. Another thing that I'm not very good at, um, but I also use it to maintain my, my personal connections. You know, I, I have just even my personal Facebook page that I'm friends with a variety of editors that I've worked with over the years, you know, and it's just, you know, making a little comment on, on their stuff. And I do that because they are my friends, you know, but it, that's another way to, to help keep in contact. I'm telling you the the best way to market yourself in this industry is join, join LPC, join ag editors, um, join, I guess it's now ag communicators network. Um, when they ask you to be on the board, be on the board. When they ask you to be on committees, be on the committee. When you have the opportunity to enter a contest, enter a contest. And, you know, listen, it's a, it's a time where, where budgets can be tight and stuff like that. So don't forget that you're a communicator. Yes, you have ag knowledge, but you're a communicator who knows just as much about taking care of children and uh, navigating hospital systems and um, shopping at grocery stores and nutrition and that as any other communicator in the world. So um, I have also branched out and, and you know, look for other organizations that you can be a member of. Like there's um, an association for women's communicators. Um, and I got introduced to that through uh, High Plains Journal actually. And uh, I haven't done a lot there. Like I said, I'm pretty lucky in being pretty flush with clients. But if I got to the point where I was, I was strapped, I would definitely be trying to involve myself more in other areas of communication where I have specialties. Um, and I have, I have gotten the chance through a variety of clients to do stuff with nutrition, with child psychology, managing children. And, and that's great fun, honestly. It, it, it keeps things fresh for you because it's kind of like, in, in agriculture, it's, it's kind of like working in a men's magazine. You know, you're going to write your 12-minute abs and 10-minute abs and 6-minute abs. And, you know, it's like corn spacing, corn spacing, corn spacing, and nitrogen placement, nitrogen placement, nitrogen placement. You know, it's good for us to get out and, and, and work without clients outside of our, our industry as, as well. Just to, number one, in, increase the number of places you can get revenue. And number two, like working with other people brings skills back to, you know, the ag industry where you're most comfortable. Like you never know what you're going to learn from working with a client, with a new editor, with a new, with a new person. So don't be scared to do that. We're communicators. For sure. One thing I found really interesting is, as I've tried to branch out into some fields outside of agriculture and the equine industry, some of those editors are actually really open to hearing ideas with an ag or horse twist on them. Um, you know, so sometimes there's fun ways that you can even find to bring that expertise into a, a publication or an agency outside the industry altogether. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's good for the ag agency or the ag industry as well, because I don't think any of us will ever stop being advocates um, for mm -hmm. our, our home base, our, our first love. As you look back, is there anything that you've learned over the years that you wish you knew when you first started as a freelancer? Oh man, when I first started, not so much saying no, as in being honest with how much I am able to do creatively in an amount of time. 
you know, and different people are different. Like, I don't think I could ever work at a newspaper where I had a daily deadline because some days I can write and some days I cannot. I mean, it's just a fact. Early on, I often took on very big projects with very short deadlines, just proceeded to stress myself out. Um, So I think it's really important both for branding yourself and, and for just, you know, being good to yourself, to be honest with yourself and honest with your clients about, yes, I can do this. I can't do it in this time frame. I need this amount of, of time to do it. And then if you miraculously get it done early, great there, you know, everybody's happy, but like, you need to be honest about how much you can take on and, and the time you can do it in because most, you know, I can't, I'm hard pressed to think of a project where I said, you know, when they're like, Hey, can you do this by X, Y, Z? Um, and I come back and say, no, but I can do it by this date. And they're like, all right, well try to get it done sooner, but, but get it done, you know, and you just have to give yourself that, that cushion, because if you promise things and then can't deliver, that's a problem. Knowing that you need to deliver can also result in really poor quality of life for you when you take on big projects. And I have been guilty of taking on very big projects because they were going to pay really well. And I just buckled down and did it and was miserable the entire time I did it. But I was really proud of what I did in the end. But I was honest with myself as as how it was going to be before I launched into that. And I'm sure not to do that over and over and over again. Like Mm -hmm. it's it's really hard because as freelancers, the only way we get a raise or get a, a Christmas bonus or whatever is to take more work that uh, it's just so tempting to, to saddle yourself with honestly more than you can handle. If you start not being able to deliver to your clients on time, that that is going to be a real negative marketing situation for you. So you need to absolutely be sure that you can deliver and that you can deliver quality work instead of just thrown together work. On working as a freelancer, one of those benefits is that life work balance, right? So yes, finding the space, to, the, the projects that pay enough to pay the bills and still enjoy many of the reasons that we do this. Yes. Yes. And, uh, you know, that's not to say that you can't say yes to a lower paying project. Yeah. Make sure that, that you're getting paid for, for the work that you're doing. Um, so that it makes what you spend on work worth what you're giving up in, in other areas of your life. Mm -hmm. For sure. And so I would just love to know, um, of all the work that you've done through the years, what is a favorite uh, story that you've written or photograph that you've taken? Oh my goodness. Oh Lord. You can't ask people to fit, pick their favorite child. <laughs> you know, one of the most fantastic adventures that I went on and it's kind of an ongoing thing that I've loved to follow is um, it, it won story of the year, but I, I followed these, um, these ranchers who had dug up dinosaurs on their place. And, you know, it was a very, big find, a very controversial find because people think that you shouldn't be able to sell fossils, but you know, they had like a hundred thousand dollars into excavating them and stuff. So, you know, I went out to the the dig while they, where they were digging and then I got to follow them all the way to New York city where they tried to auction it off um, at a, at one of the big auction houses. It was Bonham's auction house. And it was, you know, very, we were in the, the bottom of Trump tower. Um, and it was, uh, it was just this like fantastic adventure. And then, you know, it, it wasn't like a happy ever, a happy ending story because the, you know, the fossil didn't sell, you know, the, the auction was kind of a bust because there was big controversy surrounding it as to, you know, whether people should be selling fossils, shouldn't that be for the greater public good and that kind of thing. And uh, that was like, 
10 years ago. And it's literally in the news right now that the fossil mm -hmm. finally has cleared litigation, has finally found a home and is going to be out there. So, you know, it's like, it's, it's a story that I've been able to continue to follow over the years. So that's always been really, really fun for me. Yeah, that sounds like a really interesting story. Um, do you have that, like a link to that that we could post in the show notes so folks could read it if they wanted to? I'll tell you what, I will, um, I will repost it on my Facebook page. Okay. And um, you can visit me there. It's Corel Crick Communications um, or just Corel Crick Com, C-O-M-M um, on, on Facebook. And I can give you a link to once I, once I post it for you. Excellent. Yeah, um, we'll, be sure, we'll be sure to share that out. Excellent. Yeah, and as far as photo go, photos go, man, I, I have a favorite one every time I download my photos. Um, mm -hmm. The one you see in the background of, of this video um, was one that uh, I really enjoyed. Uh, taking, but was never published anywhere. Um, I, I love my, the photos that I take after the fact, after the story is done. This was, this particular photo is, um, it's like this layer of mountains. I know you guys can't see it, um, but it's smoke had kind of descended down. And so there was all these great layers of mountains and, and such. And I was coming down out of the, the very high mountains in, in Idaho. And I had, I had traveled up in the pitch black dark of morning um, following another guy on these little, these little dirt roads. And I didn't know what was around me. Um, so we got up and we, we shipped out some sheep, um, in the, the very early morning from their grazing allotment up there. And then when I was coming back down the mountains, I discovered that the roads that I was on was like cliff, tiny road, <laughs> giant cliff. And I was like, you know, I'm kind of glad that I couldn't see that when I was driving up. I kind of wish I couldn't see it when I was driving down because it was horrifying and they were going to drive semis down it. I was like, these people are insane. So anyway, coming back down, I took this picture. So for me, it's, it's often the story behind the picture, not so much that the picture is amazing. I can only imagine that was a white knuckle drive the whole way down. Yeah, it was, it was a little, uh, a little tenuous. It was one of those where if you met another car, you were going to have to back up the road that was a cliff to a, a pullout and... <laughs> I just, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. Um, and perhaps, you know, maybe we can share that if you put that up on your Facebook. It is a beautiful photo as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I, uh, I edited it a bunch. You know, it's, it's an art piece, not a, not a true photo anymore. But uh, I think we can all appreciate that as well. For sure. Well, so. I appreciate you joining me today. I just wanted to give you the opportunity to um, add anything that you didn't think we got to or any last piece of advice that you'd like listeners to take away. Uh, you know, we covered a lot. Wow, I'm starting to sound like the people I interview. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I think we covered everything. No, um, I guess the, the one thing just to go back to is be confident in yourself and confident in your work. When I first started out, and I, I know this isn't necessarily the people who are just starting out, but like people did want you to give things to them for free. Not everybody. I mean, most people understand that you should pay for your work. And, and I just think that's, that's really critical to people who are starting out is, is make sure that you get paid and make sure you put yourself out there, you know, just make those connections. I know, I know it's hard in the times of, of COVID to, <laughs> to do that a little bit, but you know, go there. And, and even for those, you know, a lot of freelancers today are, are people who are in the industry for years um, who have retired and are, are starting to freelance. And while everybody knows you, everybody might not know that you're doing freelance now. So, you know, shout it to the, shout it to the rooftops, you know, email your old friends and say, Hey, I'm doing, I'm doing freelance now. Um, you know, if you need anything, look me up, you know what I can do. So it's just, 
that's, that's honestly the most important thing I did in the beginning was sending out my email to all of my contacts that I knew that said, Hey, I'm available. Um, cause that's the first step, just having people know that you are there to do the work. And most of us already have some, you know, we're not coming into this industry without contacts. Um, I, even the, the college kids, you know, you've done internships, you have your other friends who are graduating and maybe going off to agencies or publications or whatever. It's like, reach out to everybody and let them know what you're doing so that they can come to you when they have projects. This has been an Ag Communicators Network podcast. Thanks for listening. And please visit us online at agcomnetwork.com for more great content.